Thank you, Joe, my wonderful assistant. <coughs> hey, didn't Joe do a good job last week? Can we give it up for Joe? <laughs> All righty. I won't move that over this way a little bit, but you're good. That should be good right there, Joe. Oh, hey. I like my women a little taller than me. Oh, well. Oh, well. Ah, it's all good. I'm just kidding. Well, this is Rebra, everybody. Everybody say, what's up to Rebra? Let me fix this back Let me fix this back here. You'll, you'll see what I need her for here in, a, here in a minute. I'm hoping that duct tape stays there. If not, it won't work. So, all right. So, anyways, so good morning, everybody. If you're listening online or now through iTunes or through Google Play, we're so glad that you've... Uh, came to join us this week and um, we're in this series that we've called cow tipping and what we said was is that is that we wanted to um, tip over some of these sacred cows these sacred traditions or actions that the church does or that the church has done or the church has thought um, that really have no room for the gospel and and maybe it'll free some of us up maybe it'll, it'll I know um, it frees me up with some things, but the first week in this series we talked about and we discussed that, you know, sometimes a church, they look for reasons why someone's going through a mess, right, or why someone's going through a season, or maybe because of the way you grew up in church, you've, you know, you've kind of had this, uh, had, had this thought of automatically going to, why am I going through this, right, why am I, why am I going through this, and what we talked about is sometimes God doesn't really want us to look at the reason, all right, I mean, it's good to know why, because you don't want to repeat your mistakes, but sometimes we focus too much on the reason instead of the revelation or what God is trying to show us in our mess or in our season. And so oftentimes what we said was, like if we're, as individuals, what we want to do is if we're in that season where it seems like we're going through a mess, what we said we want to do is instead, what are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on the misery that you're in or are you going to focus on the mission that God's given you, what God's revealing to you? And then last week... Joe, who did a wonderful job, discussed that oftentimes the church said, has said or thought that God only helps those who help themselves. And what we realized, what we started to realize, was that there's nothing we can do for ourselves. And so, in the middle of our can't, we needed a savior who can. And so, what what he said was is that he has set up provisions. He set up the provision for us to see him. You know, and so just like he did in the story of Zacchaeus, where years before. Years before, there was a seed planted that allowed the sycamore tree to grow for him to climb up. God has set before you a way for you to see him and his need. And so the bottom line of his message was, God helps those who can't help themselves. And so this week, what I want to do is start by reading a passage from Paul. And as he's writing to the church of Corinth, man, that's sounding weird. Um, church uh, to the church at Corinth, okay? That's going to screw with me the whole time. He's writing to the church of Corinth who, um, about who he is in Christ. And I don't know if you know much about Paul's past, um, but, you know, he persecuted the church. He killed Christians, right? All for the name of God, but it really wasn't for the name of God. And then he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus while he was on his way to continue his persecution of the church. And, and so Paul's writing this letter to the, to the Corinthian church. And Paul's argument here is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection has changed him. He's something brand new. His label that he had as a, as a prosecutor, as a... As a, as a, as a 
as someone who persecuted the church, he isn't bound by that label anymore because of what the gospel has done in him. And this is what he says to the, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1. He says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It's the good news that saves you if you continue to, be, to believe in the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. And I just kind of want to, because if you just read that, you'll be kind of be like, what in the world is Paul saying right there? And what he's saying was, you know, sometimes when someone delivers a message, you know, we don't all the time hear it right. And so we, even though we may believe something, that, you know, even though somebody may have told us the truth, we may be living it in a different way. And so what he's saying, one th- way that, thing that he's saying is, you know, I'm just hoping that you believe the truth that I told you, not some, um, not some sideways version of this truth. But it also, it also, it also could mean that, um, that, you know, that maybe there's something false that you're believing in this and, or that, or that the thing is don't take what you've learned, what I've taught you, and take it like you've been given grace. Grace, don't waste it. Don't make this a false message. Don't waste it. Okay, and so just remember that. Don't waste it. So verse three, I passed on to you what was most important, and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He's talking about the Old Testament. How it prophesied about Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. Verse 5, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he, he was seen by more than 500 of, the, uh, of his followers as one time, at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of the apostles. In fact, I am not even worthy to be called an apostle after after the way I persecuted the church. Now remember, he was he killed he killed the followers of Jesus, and he was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus knocked him off his horse and said, "Who are you to persecute me? Why are you killing my people?" And from that point on, he was a Christ follower. He had a totally crazy encounter with with him so he's saying listen i'm not worthy to do what i'm doing i'm not worthy to be able to even stand up here and talk to you but in verse 10 it says but everybody say but that's a big but okay it's one of the biggest words in the bible is the word is a three-little word but like you are dead in your sin but the mercy of God, the grace of God. But, the, you know, he was dead. He was dead for three days, but Sunday's coming. That's a big word, but whatever I am now. But whatever I am now. Somebody say, I'm something now. It's all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without result, for I have worked harder than any of the apostles. That's kind of self-bragging right there, if you ask me. But I've worked harder than any other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who is working in me by his grace. So here's what, I'll, here's what I want to talk about today, is that sometimes we're labeled, right? Someone's labeled you. 
And we've started believing those labels. Just like if Paul had the choice to believe the label that everyone else was putting on him. You're, you're, you're a killer. You're this, you're that. But he says, I've changed. I'm whatever I am now. And here's the title of my sermon this morning. Don't trust the label. Don't trust the label. So have you ever been labeled? Anybody? Have you ever been told that you won't be able to do anything because you're fill in the blank? Have you ever, however many have you been told that God can't use you because your past has decided you are unqualified? Or maybe because Say your gender will decide if you can if you can participate in this way, or maybe it's something else, or like maybe you feel held back from doing the mission God has for you because they said the church said somebody said maybe it's a label of because you're a woman God can't use you, and you have that label. Because you're a woman, God will never be able to use you. You just stay home, wear blue jean skirts, cook dinner for all the kids. You do that. And we'll go out here and do that. Or maybe they just said you can't do ministry, you can't do that because they've labeled you that you're too young. You're just a, you're just a teenager. You can't do any of that. You're too young to be to be used by God. Just wait, just wait a few years, or or maybe they maybe they told you um, since you slept around in your past, since you're that girl, since you're that guy, God's never going to use you again. Or maybe they said, you know what, you don't have enough education. You're not smart enough. You're not smart enough to, 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 for God to use you. You're not educated. You dropped, out of, you dropped out of school in the eighth grade, and God's never going to be able to use you. Or, or maybe since you're in your past, maybe, maybe you were a thief. Since you did, since you were a thief in your past, or since you fill in the blank, God's never going to be able to use you. Or, you know what? Maybe if you just started when you were a little bit younger, and like you're a little too old now for God to use, and um, you know, and that's how we're going to label you. You're just, you're just too old. That's how the church has begun to mark people. And what you've begun to do is believe the labels that people have put on you. Even labels that the church has put on you, rather directly or indirectly. Because the church has given a lot of indirect messages, haven't they? And let me just say this, as Shift Church, may we, may we never limit people based on their past because if God can use anything if God can use a donkey I was about to say the other word but I figured that might not be appropriate but if God can use anything even a donkey who are we to judge who God can use 
See, when I was younger, not that I'm old now, but um, my grandfather, the one that passed away a while back, a little bit back there a couple months ago, we used to go to go-kart races with him. You remember that, Justin? We used to go to go-kart races with him, and we'd get there. They'd be getting their go-kart ready, slicking up the tires, rubbing everything down, making sure the weight was right, because if you were overweight in the in the race, they wouldn't let you race. You had to be in a certain class. And and I remember seeing them have this clear jug, pouring it into the gas tank, Okay. And I was sitting there going, like it had, a, it had the label water written on the side of it, okay? And I was sitting there going, why in the world are they pour, pouring water into the gas tank? So I said, hey, Pippa, why are you pouring water? And that's probably about eight or nine. Why are you pouring water into the gas tank? And so they had me convinced, well, this is a steam engine. Like it runs off of steam, you know, and everything's good. Like, you know, he goes, they go, you want a drink? They had me convinced it was water. I mean, the label said water. It was clear jug. It was clear liquid. And I remember putting it up to my face. And before I put it to my mouth, and, I, and I'm telling you, I know that they would not have let me drink it, just so everybody's aware. I'm not saying they would have let me drink it. I know they wouldn't have. When I got it to my face, I realized it wasn't water. It was methanol. But listen, if I would have trusted what they said, and trusted the label that was on that jug, I would have drank the poison. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The things that the church has done in labeling people, the things that, the things that other people have said, the things that we've said to ourselves in labeling ourselves, those labels are poison. And they will kill you and kill what God has put in you. Those labels are poison. So my question is, are you drinking the poison? Because what you need to know is that you're marked. You are marked because you have received the gospel, received Christ. You are marked, you are labeled, and, and you are forever changed. You're not who you once was. And I know this kind of sounds cliche a little, and I've, like, I'm marked by God, but somebody came in here frustrated. Rebra's losing her clothes, Okay. But somebody came in here discouraged. And things of life have you questioning, did God really call me? God, did you really tell me to do this? Are you really calling me to do that? Is there really more than this job I'm working? Is there more than how our marriage is going or, or how our marriage has been? And I came this morning prepared to tell you that the answer is yeah. God has labeled you. God has marked you. for he has, he has labeled you for a purpose. He has labeled you for, for impact. He has marked you for destiny. He has anointed you and called you for far more than anything you can even see right now. But what the enemy does is he's come to tell you to stop, quit, you're too old. Maybe if you were in your 30s or 20s, but my question is, what can God do with you in your 60s, your 50s, your 40s, your 80s, your 70s? Like, what is God going to do after the second bankruptcy? What is God going to do after that second marriage? And I, I just hope that you're here this morning and you hear me say that no matter what the denial is, 
God is still marching. No matter what the trial is, God is still labeling you His. You are His, no matter what your past holds. No matter what you're facing now, or you are, you are marked. And so when I started thinking about people in the Bibles and a story in the Bible that, I, that would transpose it, this, like this thought, um, I, came, I thought about um, you know, who was marked, who was anointed in the Bible. And I thought automatically, I thought about King David. King David who was marked from a very young age, but there was a process to his anointing. There was a process. Everybody say process. Process. Thank you. There was a process to his purpose, a process to his destiny. And many times what the enemy will do when he cannot destroy something, he will try to distract you. Like maybe one time you were on fire for God and you knew he had called you, like we're going to see with David here in a minute. You knew he had called you. You knew... You knew then, well, you then, then like something happened and you're like, well, maybe not. And you get distracted and the church is not helping any because they said if you're following God, you'll never mess up. You'll never trip and fall. If you're not reading the Bible daily, it's, you're not really following him. You know, this is crazy stuff and, you, and, you, and you're not where you thought you were. And we're sitting here going, with all those labels, what do I do? Like, what do I do now? I know I'm marked, but I don't feel marked. I don't feel anointed. I don't feel called. And I'm just say, saying, Jesus is going to tell us. And Jesus is telling us. I need you to realize that before you were formed in your mother's womb, the Bible says, I knitted you. I called you. I had a plan and a purpose for you. And, I, and I've seen stuff that you ain't never seen before, is what he's saying. So as we look at this story, uh, my hope is that we stop believing the lie, stop believing the labels, and we start believing the truth that who we are. They try, like a lot of times, people try to believe the truth, which is God, and the lie that is the things that have, the world has labeled us. They try, they, they they try to believe both, and you can't believe both. You can't serve two gods. So stop believing the lie. Because when you stop believing the lie, the truth will automatically come to the front. So here we go. First Samuel 16. Here's what I just kind of give you the backstory: is that there was this king named Saul. And he once was marked. He once was anointed. But, he, but God, had, God had to let that anointing fall from him because... Even though he was anointed, because he started off real good, people give Saul a bad rap. He was he was anointed. He was called to be king. He did some great things, but he messed up because he started doing things the way he wanted to do it in his own way. So God lifted the anointing from him, and Samuel, the prophet at the time, was like, "But I've anointed him like he's supposed to be the man, man." And and God just like, "Stop crying. I have anointed another." Okay. And so what Samuel does, he's going around, he, and gets, like, God tells him to go to Jesse's house. And David is the son of Jesse. And so he goes, walks up in there, and Samuel tells Jesse, one of your sons, one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. God told me, you're one of your sons. And so, so 
Jesse gets all of, all of his sons together, except for one. That one is David, but he gets all the rest of them together and lines them up. And this is where we pick up the story, okay? When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, which that's a good name if you ever want to name your kid that, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Because just imagine, he looked like a king. Like he looked like somebody that would be labeled a king. But it says, surely the Lord has anointed. This is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance. The Lord, see, the Lord doesn't see the things the way you see them. It's, a good, it's good that God doesn't judge us based on our education, right? It's good that he doesn't judge you by the number of Instagram followers that you have or the zeros that's in your bank account. So look what he tells, tells him. He, he says, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? Heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And then Jesse told his son Abinadab, which is another good name, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. I'm kind of just picturing like a runway, like, you know, modeling. Not really. This is a tough room. But Samuel said, This is not one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah, Shemurah. But Samuel said, Neither is this one. And the Lord, neither one, this one is the Lord chosen. In the same way, seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. And at this point, I'm just thinking, Jesse's like, Man, all my sons are failures. All right? Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? And listen to how Jesse, like, brings up David. Okay? He says, there, Well, there is still the youngest. He's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Like, isn't it funny that even his father didn't even name him by name? He called, him, he, he called him by a characteristic that was unattractive in that time. Like, you realize shepherds were, like, considered the, one of the, some of the lowest graded people. Like, he defined him by an, a characteristic that was unattractive. Like, many times when you're marked, people look at you and look at what you've done or what you're doing, and they try to sum you up that that's who you are, right? Because you did this, you must be a... Right? Because you slept around, you must be a whore. Because you steal things, you must be a thief. So you go through the rest of your life believing that. Oh, she's the one who, you know, was divorced. He was the one who's been in bankruptcy. He's, he said, he said well, well, there is another, like, like, he smells really bad, like, because he's a shepherd, you know, like, he's not very clean. And what I love about this story is that you're about to see that God doesn't even care about that. He said that he's the one out there. He's watching the sheep, the goats, the one that doesn't smell good. And listen to what Samuel said. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. I would hate that part. So Jesse sent for him. He was, he was dark and handsome 
with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So a lot of people in this room right now, or some of you body in this room right now, you've, you've been hit with life. There's been a hit, had a hit, a hit of life and you, that you didn't see coming. It knocks you down. The bankruptcy, the divorce, the frustrating co-worker, it knocks you down because they're labeling you. All those labels are knocking you down. And, and as believe, the believers of the church has done this to the point to where they've knocked people down. And it's like the people around us are counting one, two, just like with David. Lowest of the lowest of the family being knocked out. And they're counting one, two, and you're wondering, do I get up? Do I stand up? Do I keep going? And my thing is, I think God is going to tell us to get up because I am your God. The fight is not over. God has a plan for your life. Because you're marked. But here's the thing that we have to remember at the beginning I said. There was a process to David's anointing, right? There's a process to David's anointing. So, for everyone that's marked in here, and I believe that's everybody. For everyone that's marked, who's chosen, who God has labeled, He is. There's a few steps we got that's got to happen. Okay, here's number one in David's life. If you're marked, you're going to be approved in private. If you're marked, you're going to be approved in private. And this is hard for people because we live in an Insta everything, Instagram, Insta meal, Insta oatmeal. Microwave this, Google this. How fast can I get there? We want people to know what we are doing, what God wants us to do in our life. And it's kind of it's, and it's and what God really wants to do in our life is something that can't be on display when it's in infant form, right? And this messes with our culture because we want everybody to know we've been called. We want everybody to recognize what God has done for our life. And this has really affected, affected me back when um, I first became a youth pastor at the church I, church I was a youth pastor at. Like, I wanted people to know that I was the youth pastor. I wanted people to know it. And you know... I thought I had the stuff. I thought I had the stuff because I had the title, and this attitude led to some great disappointments in the beginning. Great disappointments. I knew, like, if I was honest, I knew nothing about ministry, even though I thought I did. Was I called? Yes. Was I anointed? Yes. But I was in infant ministry, and if I were honest, and I still am. I, sometimes there's still some things I still need to learn about doing ministry. But then I needed to sit back and learn. But I wanted people to say, I wanted, I wanted people to know who I was. I wanted them to know the label. I wanted them to know the title. But I did it too soon. Did he speak to me? Yes. Did he call me? Yes. Was I appointed? Yes. Did he speak to you and give you a word? Yes. Did he speak to you and tell you, this is what I want you to do? Yes. Maybe he did speak to you. Maybe you went to a conference and God said, I want you to do this. Or, or 
or he touched your life sitting in the back row or um, however he did this. But everybody doesn't need to know. He's approving you in private. And here's why it's important. Because the easiest time to kill anything is in infant form. Right? It's easy for an infant to get hurt. Right? Like just think about it this way. When Jesus was born, they were scared. They were scared of a movement. They were scared of what this Messiah was going to be. And so they decreed that every child under the age of two, what? Kill it. Kill it. Because it's, it's the easiest to kill a movement. It's easiest to kill an anointing in seed form. And so I came just to encourage everybody tonight that, you know, if you're not dead, maybe you feel old, you're like, I don't know how much longer I have. I know God's called me to this, but I'm, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to say this. If you're not dead, you're not done. If you're not dead, you're not done. Just because everybody doesn't know doesn't mean you're not marked. Like, David wasn't even invited to the party to begin with, right? I'm sure he saw the caravan rolling in because he was out there in the fields. He, he wasn't even trying to get into the party because David was content with doing the last thing that God told him, to, told him right? And spend time in the presence of God. And what happened was they sent for him. They sent for him. And when he gets in the room, his brothers are standing there jealous. And he said, you're marked. And he was approved in private. And he, did not, and he didn't get to go tell everybody. Somebody, you know, you're, you know God has called you to greater than what you're, what you're dealing with right now. But you're still labeled by God. Even though nobody else knows. And if you don't see that hit coming, if you, if you try to do this too soon... If you try to allow people to know this too soon, when you try to, like, somebody will begin to speak death into you. I remember when, um, not that I was saying I did it too soon or anything, but I remember when the first couple people that I talked to about starting Shift Church, they did this. They spoke death into what? They tried to discourage me. Oh, well, I tried that. And it didn't work. So, don't, so be careful. I don't want you getting your feelings hurt. They spoke death into what God called to live. So you're marked, even though nobody, no, not everybody recognizes it. You may have family members that are like, girl, you're just like your granddaddy. You're never going to do nothing. And you're like, man, I can't listen to you anymore because I've been approved in private. And it leads to this. That's the second thing that you need to know. You're anointed before, before you're positioned. You're anointed before you're positioned. So just imagine this picture with me. David goes into the room. Samuel marks him. He anoints him. He said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. And for most of us, we would look, be looking to get, to get into the carriage and go back to the palace of Samuel, right? But where, what was David's next move? Do you might know? Back to the pasture. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me? No, I'm anointed. You just said I'm king of Israel. So I'm going to 
the palace with you. Nope. You're anointed before you get a position. Like, like it's time for me to be the CEO. I'm anointed. You said I'm going to be the next king of Israel. And what God is, God is wanting you to see is, I want, I want to anoint you. And I want to send you back into the sphere of influence that you came from to see if you can make a difference. See if you can make a difference where you live, work, and play. So he, he's anointed the king of Israel, but has to go back with the sheeps and goats. Sound like we're going tomorrow, right? Like you came here and you're like, God, I know you're spilling. I know you're telling me to do this. And then you have to go be a security guard tomorrow. You have to go wrestle kids tomorrow. You have to go work at Food City tomorrow. You have to do whatever you're going back into tomorrow. And you're like, God, you said I'm different. You said I'm marked. And he's like, yeah, you are. Let me see if you can be a difference. Can you make a difference? Can I make you be a light in the darkness? Can you be my representative? Will you stand and represent me and represent me in the nursing home and at the hospital and most of us, we don't see that hit coming, right? We think that once we're called to something, once we get that raise, it automatically is there. And God's like, I'm anointing you, right? And, but you've got to go be a sheep keeper. You've got to go serve and shift kids. Well, Derek, I've got a song to sing. I've got a song to sing to shift, and they need to hear it. Well, in time, okay? We have a process. And why? Because God wants to do in your life. He wants to, he wants to get the glory for it. And the problem is, or the, really the question is, how are you waiting? Because it's in changing those diapers. And this, I mean, in kids, I mean, it's in going and installing stuff. It's in the going and mowing yards. In that waiting, it's a heart check. Like I, like, like let me just say it this way. Opportunity or obstacle? How am I supposed to pay for people's stuff? Like, it's a heart check. He says, I'm going to mark you, but then send you into a place that doesn't look like where you're going. Right? Here's what I want. All he says is, I need your obedience. Just trust me. And I kind of wanted to share this verse with you. For maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I don't understand. It's okay not to understand. Like, you know, you feel that call on God and you're like, I'm, but I'm not there yet. I'm still down here in the slums of life. And here's what we have in Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Trust the Lord in the waiting. When you know you're marked, when you know you're called, when you know you've been approved in private and you've been called, but you're not positioned yet. I can't figure it out, and it's okay. God's really like, God's really not wanting understanding from you. He's not wanting a plan from you. He's just wanting your obedience. Because you have this story of David, right? That after this moment, he goes back into the fields. He went back to the pasture and started working in the fields. He kept doing what he knew to do. When you don't know what to do, go back to the last thing that you knew God told you to do. And you just keep doing that. 
Because here's what happened with David. Saul, the king that lost his anointing and it moved to David, he started being tormented by some evil spirits, giving him bad dreams. Right? Still in this field. And somebody told Saul, hey, listen, Saul plays a mean harp. I mean, you know, where's that harp out? Maybe he can come play music for you and it'll soothe you. And so David got called up. He became a solution to a problem. While waiting for his moment, when he went to go play music for the king in the place that he was called to rule, in the palace that he was supposed to live in, while he was waiting for his moment, he was called up to the place God anointed him to be, not as a leader, but as a servant. Imagine walking up in there, like, this is my house and I'm here to serve you. Are you kidding me? But he does it. He had a heart check. He does it. And he became a solution to somebody's problem. Sometimes we have to serve before we can lead. Sometimes we have to serve before we can lead. Then he gets back home and he has to go check. Dad says, here, take the stuff to your brothers. They're out in battle. Right? And he goes out there and he defeats this guy named Goliath. See, Goliath was an obstacle. And in the church, when we see obstacles, we retreat. And that's what the entire nation of Israel was doing here. The whole army saw Goliath, and he's this giant guy. I mean, like, huge guy, like, craziness. And he goes to deliver some sandwiches to his brother. And he gets there, and he says, he got, he guys go, here's your sandwiches, but bro, who's that? And they say, well, for 40 days, he's been calling out to us. He's been talking about our God, and the whole Israelite army is frozen. Like, man, the dude is talking about our God, and you guys ain't doing nothing? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to talk about our God? That was cussing back then. Didn't know if you knew that back then. Okay. And David says, I'm not about to sit here and listen to this dude defy my God. And where thousands took a step back because they saw an obstacle, David took a step forward because he saw an opportunity. Obstacles, opportunities are almost the same thing, but it depends on who you have on your side. They give you a diagnosis of cancer and you think, man, that's a mean Goliath. You think you're done? No. That's the opportunity that God says, step forward. I'm about to be your healer. When they tell you you can't do ministry because of your past, that's your opportunity. Step forward. I am your cleanser. They tell you you're too young, you're too old, you're too short, too fat, don't have enough money. And God says, I'm on your side. I have anointed you. Go step forward. And as Brittany says, go slay them dragons. I'm going to be the one to get the glory out of it. But when death is in front of you, God says, don't retreat. I have marked you.
I have made you new. Because it's for you. And if I am for you, who can be against you? So when people people throw obstacles in your way when they throw labels in your way and they say you God can't use you look at you you step forward knowing that and here's the bottom line for today knowing that nobody can label you except for the one that created you and know, know what he says about you he says you're anointed you're marked. You're called. All this stuff is just the backstory. You're anointed. So I don't know how you came up in here up here this morning. Maybe you have this huge Goliath in your way. Okay. And I just want to I just want to set this straight because um, I always want to make sure people understand the Bible. Like even though we're relating our lives to David's life, David is really just a picture of Jesus. Goliath is the picture of our sin. Now he's defeated our sin, but just if we're supposed to be like Christ, man, you just she loves taking off her clothes, I guess. Okay, but if you're supposed, if we're supposed to be like Christ, we're gonna try to be like David. And David said, you know what? I'm gonna go back to the pasture. I know I'm called. I know I'm anointed. I know I'm supposed to live in the place where I'm now going to be a servant at. Then I'm gonna go home and go serve sandwiches to my brothers who really should be serving me because I'm the king. No. It's not his attitude. He says, you know what? I'm going to take all these obstacles and I'm going to turn them into opportunities. I'm going to take all these labels and I'm going to turn them into opportunities to make a difference in somebody else's life. Yeah, I know Saul's probably going to want to kill me here in a couple years when when he realizes that everybody wants me to be king now. And so he's going to chase me down. He's going to, I'm going to have to hide in caves. I'm going to, he's going to try to kill me. But you know what? I'm going to go and serve him anyways. When I walk into when I walk in and my and, the, and my boss is there and I don't like my boss and you should see my boss she's crazy. I'm gonna walk up in there and go, hey, what can I do for you today? What can I, what can I handle for you today so it relieves your stress? Or maybe it's a family member that you just can't stand, and you call them up after church and say, is there anything I can help you out with today? Anything to make your life a little easier today? Or maybe it's that, uh, maybe it's that annoying spouse. Now you've been doing is arguing lately. Left and right. Why don't you take a step forward and say, not to them, you say, I know I'm anointed, I'm called. But listen, Honey, what can I do to serve you today? Because listen, I'm going to share some advice for everybody. If you want a better husband, become a better wife. If you want a better wife, become a better husband. Seek God. As you seek God and they see you seeking God and serving them better, maybe they'll return the favor. But listen, don't leave here discouraged thinking well God's called me to something and I'm not seeing the doors open maybe he's just saying it's not time yet so take every opportunity you can to use your anointing to serve somebody you know with me God I want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to come here and worship you
this morning, God. And I just pray that we all that we all realize that we are marked by you. That we're loved by you. And God, I just pray that even though we may not see our calling, our anointing come true, God, I just pray that we that we leave here with a little hope knowing that we'll get there. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see what you've called us to one day. But in this moment, and when everything is falling apart, when everything seems like it's not working, when we're not where we thought we would be, when our expectations don't meet our experience. God, I just pray that you give us some foresight to know that our time is coming. Our, our, what you've anointed us to do, what you've called us to, what you've marked us, what you labeled us to do, it's coming. And may we serve in this moment. May we not let the things that this world has labeled us, may we not let that poison get to us but to know that we are yours and we're going to be used by you in a mighty way. And I think this, I pray this in your name. Amen.